Hello, everyone, and welcome to We're Golden. I'm Jody Harrison Bauer, age 63, here with Content Kim, age 60. And we have a special guest today. We have Jason Tardick from Trading Secrets, his podcast, and best selling author of The Restart Roadmap. And he is so handsome. So handsome. More handsome in person. Yes, mm-hmm. very. And taller. George Clooney, handsome. And taller, yeah. <laughs> For those of you who do not know who Jason Tardick is, he is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, the host of Apple's top charting business podcast, Trading Secrets, entrepreneur of five operating companies, investor and speaker. After 10 years of working in corporate banking, he took a detour into reality television to be a contestant on season 14 of ABC's The Bachelorette. Since then, he has made several appearances on the ABC network, Good Morning America, The Bachelor Season 23, Celebrity Family Feud, Listen to Your Heart, Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Bachelorette Greatest Seasons Ever, Dancing with the Stars, and The Bachelorette Season 17. We are so excited to share this story of Jason's journey through everything that he's gone through, uh, sort of rediscovery and redefining his roadmap and um, being the businessman that he is and the busy man that he is. He's a busy man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we really- And his book is incredible. We really enjoy the interview Mm -hmm. and his book. Yeah. We talked about his book a lot, his time on The Bachelorette, what he learned and what he's doing now. So here we go. Jason Tardick. Hi, Jason. Welcome to We're Golden. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. You guys are golden. I get it. Thank you. Thank you. We're we're trying to spread the golden everything. Although Kim- thinks that golden is not the way we should be described, right? No, it sounds it, really old. It sounds golden, really old. Yeah. How would you like to be described? Um, what were the, I had some really good ones on okay. our deal. And I, can't I think remember. it was into the sunset or yeah, something. I think it, something there's, about, there's, there's, there's phases, but we're golden is like when you're in your 90s. Yeah. Okay. So then we go, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, aren't we're golden. I think no. 55 and after yeah. was what they like was retirement age a long yeah. time ago and they were like yeah that's your golden year sure. but now it's that's done. now we're yeah so i mean like we're like 30, we're like 40, we're like the new middle aged right i feel like Hell that yeah. Yeah. i don't know so you're like would be a child happy <laughs> happy belated 35th by the way thank you so that's why i keep saying 35 is new 25 yeah i'm trying to tell yeah, myself very that. excited I, re- I remember when i turned 35 yeah oh yeah do you have yeah. any advice um just keep stepping into your power, step mm. into who you are. That's when I started realizing who I was more. Mm-hmm. At 35, I had two children. I had had two miscarriages. And that's when I started really stepping into who I was. Mm. Do you feel like that's happening to you? Yeah. I th- well, I think every day I'm like growing as a person more and more, if that makes sense. So while I'm stepping into myself, I would say I just know myself better than I ever have. Mm. And I think I'm like pushing myself to get better in like all directions of life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, you feel when you have setbacks and changes, you feel like a little lost. But I think you always find your way when you know yourself better than anything. Right? So true. The but so thing. many people go through all life having no idea who they are. And like a quick test is like people are like, well, you know, I'd be like, right now, okay, to summarize, who are you? Like, how would you summarize yourself? And the amount of people that stumble over that, they can't like describe who they are and what they believe and how they believe it and why, because they're so distracted by everything else. Okay. So summarize yourself. Summarize myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to give you the whole thing. Okay. okay? It's going to be like a little introduction. Okay. Okay. So I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, big family guy, played sports growing up, studied business at school, got my MBA in accounting and finance. And the reason I start with that is because that is what led my entire 20s. I lived my identity through my job, my education, and my title at work. I then took a wild detour and I went on a reality show. And from that reality show, weirdly enough, I found myself. And so what I would describe myself as someone who's very family oriented, uh, I prioritize loyalty, respect, and support to others. And through my work, what I try and really do is find something that I'm proud of, like that I feel like I get respect for, something I can make an impact for, and then something I can monetize at a level that will support my life. So a little bit about who I am, where I've been, and like where I want to go. Wow, that was perfect. That was perfect. Would you say that that to somebody? You did nail that. Would you say that to somebody at a party? Um, no, because I wouldn't take that's up that much time. Bit. No, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Like, <laughs> right. be more that's, small talk. But yeah, I, I yeah. love that. So let's yeah. let's go back to the beginning. You're 19 yeah. years old. You declare your major. It's banking. It's mm-hmm. finance in college. Yeah. Uh, you get your dream job, right? 
Yeah. It's you're yeah. in banking, you're moving on up, you go to this big presentation. Yes. And this is when you start feeling uneasy. Yes. And you you're looking around, you're like, I have to go to the bathroom. Yep. I have to leave. You leave. Yep. Your boss is looking at you like, Jason, what the hell? What the hell are you doing? And you don't even care because <laughs> you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. And you find yourself sitting on the floor of the bathroom, sweating. Mm-hmm wanting to throw up. I don't know if you did that, but yeah. all of the things and you realize I'm in a full on panic attack. Full panic attack. Yeah. So yeah. what was that? What was that like? And what did you start realizing about yourself at that yeah. time? Yeah. Well, it sucked. <laughs> First yeah. and foremost, I realized, cause it was, it was like right before the pitch was about to start. Mm-hmm. And it's this, I mean, anybody that's had a pa- has had a panic attack, you can't control it. Like it takes over your body. So it's just, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Oh my God. I don't know what's happening. I'm getting flustered. I can't get flustered. I got to crush it. My thoughts are moving hundred miles an hour. There's all these people here. The pressure's high. And I started talking myself into a deeper panic attack. Fight or flight kicked in. And then I was like, I got to get out of here. I leave, I go to the bathroom, I just pass right out. Now I get up, get my stuff together. I go from white to having color in my face, get back in that room, power through. But that night I couldn't sleep. I was like, what the hell was that? And what I learned was, well, of course it was a panic attack, but what I learned was I had been putting so much pressure on myself trying to live up to the standards of everybody else around me. My boss, the CEO that was in the room, the CFO was in the room. I thought I had to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way, stand, you know, with posture a certain way. And as a result of that, I had, I was living for everyone else's reactions and everyone else's satisfaction. And I, I was an empty suit. I knew nothing about myself. I had no depth. So when I went into that panic mode, I couldn't just be like, Jason, perspective. Who gives a shit? This guy just runs a company and this guy's your boss for just a job and you'll have another job. Put it in perspective. And so what's weird is going on the reality show really helped me find myself. And that's why people say like, do you still have those panic attacks and knock on wood? No, I never, I don't because I'm so much more comfortable in who I am. I'm so much more comfortable at the table that I don't have to sit there trying to impress someone else or act a certain way. I could just be me and that's enough. But how did you feel? How did the how did being on the Bachelorette help you find yourself? Because you talked about in your book how what all the other people were like yeah. at the show. So yeah. is that part of it? I think part of it is you you're removed from your phone mm-hmm. and from work and everything, all the distractions in life for three months. Oh, and at wow. what I was twenty nine. I had never had someone sit across the like the table from me with a microphone and say like. So what's going on in your life? Like, what, what's, what's this? What's that? And I'll never forget this happened with a producer. You know, this I, is I was during still the in, interviewing this process? This is in the week two of the interview process. I want to, and once you tell, I want to yeah. know what led you to even audition for it. But, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they, they do the thing. They're trying to like, you know, producers are trying to break into you. They want to like, give me some shit. Give me uh-huh. some dirt. Right? <laughs> right. That's their right. job. And I remember it was week two and I'm doing an interview and the producer goes, all right, shut it down. We're good. Walks out the door. I'm done with this. Oh, no. And I look around. I'm like, what did I, like, did I say something wrong? No, Jason. All you're saying is everything is right. Everything's perfect. You got no issues. Everything is good in your life. There's, you haven't had one bump, one bruise. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I got nothing here. And shut down and left. And then, like, and then, it like, I was like, wow. And then another producer came in who was a little softer. And I, like, I was just sitting there and I got sad. And, the producer came in and was like a little soft. She's like, all right, cameras aren't rolling. What's going on? Why are you sad now? And I was like, because I just had a moment there. I am so broken. Because <laughs> oh. I, I just had realized that I've just been covered, like for so long, just covering up. You had all the right I, I didn't answers. even know how to feel, yeah. let alone what a feeling was. And so I was like, did a, did a producer from The Bachelor just like crack me and break <laughs> me down to try and find myself? So that that was kind of a coming to moment. And when would I have that in a Monday through Sunday well, grind? That's, yeah. that's like, the know, whole thing. You would yeah. normally never have that situation. Um, yeah. and, it, and it happens at different times. I mean, I don't know if you ever had that time. I, I had it when I filed for divorce, when I got mm-hmm. divorced in my early 40s. And that's when I started to, you know, refer back to your book, The Restart Roadmap, that's when I started my restart. That's when I had to crack open who Mm -hmm. I, who did I want to be for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. And obviously it keeps changing, but what's cool is once you crack that open 
and tell me if this is what it's worked for you, you start seeing more and more and more things opening for you and you just become more and more of who you are, not being afraid to share yes. who you are. Yeah, I think it. You, you get more, you grow more, you see more. I think it connects to the fact that when you know yourself at a better level, you can be more vulnerable and right. open with people. And then what it does is it creates a connection that you never had. So like at work, when I remember when I was working and on the show, I, I, did, I had very high level, like, let's shake each other's hand. How was your weekend? Bullshit relationships, right? Well, now my whole life's being aired out on the show and mm. I'm just going back to work. Now people are like coming up to me wanting to talk about this and my family dynamic and my gay brother and what it was like living like this. And, you know, I have a walk in one time and the assistant was like, oh, I heard you're a good kisser. I'm like, oh, my God, because they were talking about that <laughs> right, in the prior right, right. I'm like, this has gotten too out of control. <laughs> but what's weird enough is like all these boundaries were broken of what I put up as a result of that. Now I'm like having deeper connection with people. That's and I so think cool. when you have deeper connection with people, then opportunities come up. I think then that's you true. see more, yeah. right? I'm wondering, Jody, when you said that just now, it made me think about this. You were divorced, so it was just you kind of figuring it out. Like for me, it was when my kids left for school, but I was still married. So I still had part of that what was my identity. Yeah. I wonder right. if that makes it more difficult if people are married, especially like going through even what you changing careers, if it makes it harder. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I know we're also at some point talking about the golden bachelor. I think that's actually a good, like with the woman tell all episode, mm -hmm. when you just asked me that question, that's what it reminded me of when I'm telling this story, because I think you're seeing a lot of people that have such life experience go right. through that kind of interview process that I went through. Mm -hmm. And they're saying it like helped them find themselves. It helped them find their love. And I think there are going to be these moments where you're going to have that rock bottom moment of like distress, but once you have that, it's such an opportunity to like either grow or fold. Yeah. And so I think those opportunities are huge. And some of them, while they sucked, they allowed me to grow in big it's ways. Always, it's always the messy part that helps us grow, always, right? right? It's the part that sucks. And you're like, why is this happening to me right now? And I, I tell people, it's like, why is it happening for, for me? Yeah. Yes. But it's very hard to think of it when you're lying in the bathroom or you're feeling like nothing is going your way. Yes. You and know? I think what we do as a society is we instantly numb. Yeah. And I just saw this. There was, a, there was a TikTok about it. It was like the lobster. Of course there is. This, yeah, lobster <laughs> theory, right? And it was talking about how lobsters are like this small, like mushy animal that will instantly be like taken as prey, but they have the hard shell, right? Uh -huh. Well, when they get, when they start growing, it get really uncomfortable in the shell. They have to shed the shell. And that period of time, like is most likely when lobsters will get eaten, but they have to take on that risk because without doing so, they can't grow the new shell. Oh, and so see? what they, and so, so the point of it was the person connected it back to like humans. Like when we feel that stress, when we feel we need that change, what we're doing right now is we're finding ways to numb. We're finding ways to numb through whatever it is. It's, it might be alcohol. It might be, you know, whatever it is. We're finding ways to numb. And when you numb, you can't continue to grow. And he said even like lobsters, these little baby mushy animals at the bottom right. of the ocean every day are growing new shells. And it's stress that actually mm. gets them to that growth. Very and I was like, cool. damn. Wow, like that. I did, that's, that, the stress part's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for them. But yes. that's, I think people numb themselves with their phone. Like they, if they feel upset, they just pick up the phone and just start scrolling. Just numb it. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah, you found some creative ways to numb oh, yeah. yourself when you were we the were 10 years. Oh, we I was banking. so <laughs> Yeah, you see we, the Kim stuff was I saying, she, Yeah, she was, I said, that's really creative. Yeah. I'm going to like really stick something in there. Straight survival mode. Yeah, <laughs> oh so for anyone God. listening, I would like – Anything because I knew so I had I was getting my MBA. It was a hundred thousand dollar plus education. So I was going to school while paying for that, and I didn't want to take out any student loans. Working full time, Working full going time. to school part time. Yeah. yeah. So I knew if I could use the cash flow from work to pay for, I wouldn't have loans. Mm -hmm. But I just put so much pressure on myself, but I couldn't lose that job. Right. I was like, if I lose this job, I'm in trouble. So instead of like stepping into these panic attacks, wait, did you have the investment <clears throat> banking job then? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So they yeah. put you. They Did put, you do it full time or it was a part time MBA? Okay, wow. Yeah, part time MBA. So it was two. It was two classes every ten weeks for two years straight. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of action. But what I would do for anyone back home is instead of like 
deal with the issue. I would just numb the issue. And I had Xanax and Propanerol. I think everyone knows what Xanax yeah. is. Propanerol is a beta blocker. So if you don't know what beta blockers are back home, essentially, when you go to fight or flight mode, your body will send signals to your heart, like what the hell's happening? It's an adrenaline. And then your body reacts, your body sweats, your body gets Ooh. nervous. So this beta blockers are actually a blood pressure medicine, but they can be used to stop the adrenaline signals going to your heart. So what happens is like the way my doctor, whoever prescribed it, was like actually a lot of athletes use it. Mm -hmm. A lot of um, uh, people in like big uh, uh, musical ensembles, like orchestra, like if they're nervous mm. on stage, they can't have sweaty hands, things like that. Right. So I had beta blockers and Xanax. The poor thing. By the way, locked in a Listerine mousetrap case because I didn't want people to know that I was taking it. I didn't want them to see the weakness, especially in corporate America. Oh, yeah. You show the weakness then and they... now, you know, with bureaucracy, when right. there's so much subjectivity to your success, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. So even just carrying those in my suit pocket – I felt a sense of relief. And if I needed it, I knew it was there. And that's how much masking I did. And what is that doing? It's just kicking the can. It's addressing nothing. But it, I guess it got me through to get my school paid for. So you know, you're, we'll find the good in that. You're really close to your family. And so were your parents worried that this is how you were functioning had you not shared this with them? I know I'm jumping around. Yeah, I um, love the jump around. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't tell them. The first time you they didn't. knew about this was when I wrote it. Oh, really? Yeah, and I gave them a heads up. I gave them a heads up and I said, hey, just so you know. And they were, oh, I, I didn't know like what, how they'd react and they were just sad. They're like. That's how I would be if I found this out from sad. one of my daughters. And then yeah. you found out after the fact. And I would be like, yeah. I wanted to be there for you. Yeah. But I felt like I was in such survival mode. I was like, I got this. I could do this. Mm. Well, it's probably hard to articulate them. to them as you're going through it anyway. hundred yeah. percent. I couldn't even spell emotion. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know how to articulate this. I didn't want to worry them. I was like, I'll just, I'll, fi I'll figure this out. I know I could figure this out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. This was a, this was a weird thing. I got this. Well, and you so probably had a lot it. of people that were really stressed working around you in that environment anyway. Oh yeah. Like it totally. was kind of the norm. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, so it was, there mm -hmm. was, uh, there was guys on everything, uh, yeah. SSRIs, uh, Adderall. Yeah. I mean, at, like every, every pill <laughs> was going around that office. You don't and, need Adderall with the job you have now. No. It's just natural. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is when I moved from New York to Seattle, uh -huh. I was like, okay, maybe different calls. Maybe I was just in like a weird office, but even though I loved that office, people were great. Um, but then Seattle, same thing. I met two or three guys dealing with these panic disorders, mm. um, you know, dealing with all kinds of stuff connected to the job. And I think it happens more than we think. And I think people mask it because they're afraid to share the weakness uh, because it's it's Never show the weakness, real. right? Yeah, which is ridiculous because when you show the weakness, in my opinion, that's when you really can like talk through it and make it a strength. Do you think that anybody who's dealing with that type of stress needs to take these types of um, numbing devices should get out of that industry? I think they need Do you to, think that's a big red flag to get out? If you're numbing, I can get thinking no matter what industry you are, if you find yourself numbing yourself off mm -hmm. in like red flag, because yeah. you're not doing I, yeah. something, you're just kicking the can, you're putting a Band-Aid. The problem is when you numb, you're then creating a tolerance for what that numbing is, and that right. tolerance is going to get pushed, right? So if I had to take one Xanax a week, well, if I'm not addressing anything, maybe it's going to go to two, maybe it's going to go to three, then it goes to Xanax and drinking, then it goes to this, like who knows what it comes But you from. weren't seeing any counselors, like you didn't see I a therapist no, or anything back no, no, then, no. it's kind of no, I had, well, I saw once I went to a psychiatrist. The only reason I went to a psych, like survival mode, uh -huh. only reason I went you to a psychiatrist more. is because I knew that they could prescribe. Yeah. And so I went to them just saying, hey, this is what happened. And that's when they, they're the one that prescribed me the beta blocker and the Xanax. So in your book, you talk about this probably feeds into the shit ton of red flags. Yes. <laughs> so how, how did you get from where you were to that? Like To like where I would say like that's just the overall transformation, yeah. you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, it was it's a, a long process, but I think it starts with falling on your face yeah. uh, like I did and knowing that Literally. you have to figure yourself out and then getting more honest with your foundational group and then having people kind of check you through accountability. But weirdly enough, I was still working. Yeah. On, I was still working at the bank when I went to the show. And that's why I attribute a lot of like my restart to being on the show. Okay. Because when I got off the show, I felt so much more 
available to have those conversations, to open up about things I was struggling with. And so once I started doing that, I started to see the pieces come together. But it was really the show that did it, which is crazy. But you still, after the show, did you go back and work for the bank? Yeah, I went back for a year. Yeah. Whole, didn't have one panic issue then because I was like, I was starting to find feeling, myself. Yeah. I, didn't, I felt good. I felt I like, I'm good. I can now talk about this And they this knew, stuff. The, as you mentioned, they saw you like, yeah. oh, Jason's a really good kisser. Um, you know, they knew yeah, all this stuff about you. Yeah, right, yeah. But, right. then, but also, yeah, there's just ways there to connect to with them. There's nothing to hide. Nothing yeah, my, everything, my cards were shown. But it was interesting because I... I went back to work for a year. I called it my double dip year. So I was working all week. And then like on the weekends, I would like go do stuff for the show to get paid. And then there was another big restart when, uh, so I was doing a live podcast with my ex-fiance and there was some stuff shared from that podcast that got back to the bank. And the <laughs> bank put me in a situation where they said like, you have to actually restart your career here. Like no more media, no more entertainment, no more podcasts, start refresh, hit restart, or maybe go restart your career outside of the bank. And so the reason I called it the restart roadmap is because I was put in this ultimatum of oh. where do I want to restart? But okay. had that not happened and after the bachelor and you were feeling bachelor, you were yeah. feeling good. Would you have stayed at the bank if that had not happened? Maybe? No. So no. I, when I moved from New York to Seattle, I got this. I talked very openly about money just for financial transparency. But in the book, I outlined the whole package. And the package came with a relocation and $110,000 signing bonus and a couple other things. And I had to stay until October mm. of that year for me to have no obligation to pay it back. So this happened in April of that year. So I was able to negotiate one of the things was to not have to pay that back. To get out of that. But my plan was once that two-year period hit, I was going to leave. Yeah. So I was on my way out. So how did how did the whole Bachelorette happen? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, Gilda Radner, the uh, comedian. Yeah. So right. she died abruptly of over of a of ovarian cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. They started a non-for-profit called Gilda's Club, and they have them all over the country. Mm -hmm. well, I was in New York at the time, and they do this event where they pick top 30 bachelors, all different ages, and you come out and you get dressed up and you dance on a stage. Oh, you dance? people win. Well, you can do whatever. <laughs> okay. And people are bidding on you for a date. Right. But it's I've a been black to those tie. Things. Everyone's it's right. like a gala. Like, yeah. everyone's yeah, yeah, dressed yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I came in and I had a tuxedo and I came out to old time rock and roll and I was like working. I was like stripping on stage. <laughs> Oh, wow. I had air guitars. <laughs> I had the glasses. I was, I mean, I was just, I was drunk. I was bringing so it. <laughs> and I got, I raised the most money that night. And so that was in March. And in October, I got a call and they said, hey, we got this video from this charity auction. Oh my gosh. Someone submitted to us, still don't know who. Oh, wow. And they said, um, are you single and do you live in New York? And I said, well, I'm single, but I don't live in New York. And they're like, well, you still qualify. And that's how it started. <laughs> so it was from that wow. experience, that charity event. And you still don't know who sent the video? So, no, but well, I know that I was submitted and my best friend was submitted because oh he did the charity too. Okay. So he, I'll never forget. I call him. I'm like, dude, I got to talk to you. He's like, what? He's like, I got to talk to you. He got a call too. Oh, he did. So him and I went to regionals together and like oh through the process God. and I ended up making it. He didn't end up oh, making it. Yeah. I know. So, so why but, do you think you made it after you had that interview with the producer? So yeah. you go there. So you're interested. Are you interested because you're like, I need something new to happen in my life or this sounds like a great opportunity or yeah, I'd love to meet the love of my life or yeah, all I mean, of those I was things. passing out on bathroom floor. So I'm like anything. But yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> let's try something, yeah. right? This is a, yeah. a message from the universe. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody in my life said, do not do this. Like, yeah. what do you have a rocket on your back? You got six yeah. or seven promotions in 10 years. Mom and dad are like, hell no. Okay. Like, what do you do? You they got your were, MBA. You don't have any debt. You're killing it. What are you doing? Well, you doing? don't know how they're going to portray you on there. You have no idea. Yeah, so right. it could be it's a, a huge a risk. bad thing. Yeah. It's a huge, huge risk. Mm -hmm. And my mom's a huge fan of the show. So she was like, Jason, Bachelor is my thing. You're not welcome to join this <laughs> world. So you funny. said, now she's, you know, that Chris Harrison's right, wedding and this yeah, and that. Right, she's like, right. what the hell's going on? <laughs> FaceTime her with Trista. She's like, oh my God, I'm fangirling. Trista. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they did not want me to go on. Everyone told me not to go on, but I was just like, I'm going to give it a shot. I want to give it a shot. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So nobody really supported you doing it. No one. 
No one. I have friends now because I say this often. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I was never supported. They're like, oh, well, I told you. It's like, no. Every yeah, single all said person no. was like, yeah. what are you doing? You're not a reality TV guy. Yeah. Like, stay in your lane. Yeah. And I was like, ABC's like, no. knocking on my door. I'm, I'm going. going. I've been stuck in a bank for 10 years. I'm out. <laughs> and so I took the shot. You did. Yeah, was, you took the risk on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You have fun. that personality. So, it I mean. Was fun. Well, yeah. what happened when the, ba- when the producer left the room and yeah. that softer producer came in, yeah. kind of cracked you. Yeah. Were, how much longer was the process and how did, yeah, how, what did you have to go through to be on it? And did you feel that this was still a path you should follow and see yeah. it till the end? So that was week two of filming when that happened. Oh, okay. Um, but to, uh, to like to just give you the process of being, have you ever heard about what the process is mm, to get on I've, the show? We've heard a little bit about like, okay. you know, they do an interview, they do a, uh, don't they do a psych- psychological? Yes, they do a psychological yeah. exam. They do yeah. it. Well, it, so you first get approached and then you go to like what they called, I think was regionals. And then you go to like super regionals. So you're like making it through. Each one gets a little bit more intense. Yeah. And then you go to like, the, you make it to the finals. And what I was told is they bring 50 people to the finals. And of that 50 pe- wow. people, they'll select like 35. And then I believe like five or so will be substitutes. Okay, well, I have to just tell you something. Yeah. Because when I see these contestants on the show, men yeah. or women, I'm thinking, is this the cream of the crop sometimes? <laughs> so they have to go through all of the all of that and that's yes. who they choose because some of the people are really uh, have no personality. I think it's intentional. Do they, they bring in the no personality person. Like they say, you're going to be the guy who has no personality. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know this. I have no idea. Okay. I'm speculating. But the way I would speculate it based on what I know about TV land now is when you, you have you have to have certain characters. Yeah, you have to have sense. certain personality types. And so I think they cast for a whole wide of characters and then – Real life happens, and oh shit, there's a character change. Wow, we thought the Mm -hmm. nice guy was a villain, you know? And I think that's, and so I think part of the psychology test isn't to see, are you sane? You can go on a show, because it's a 600 question psych test. Oh, oh, wow. And then you have to meet with a psychologist. My opinion, this is just speculation, is that that is so they can identify your personality type. What makes you tick? Who are you? So like they can then cast Mm -hmm. for that board they need to fill. I see. And so I think that's so like the board, you need a boring person. You need a crazy person. You need a super good looking person. You need like the athlete that's lost themselves. Like you need all these things, right? So what do you think you were casted? That's that's a good question. I, I think I was casted as a villain. Really? I think so. I was going to say, it's the, the good, good looking guy. one. I don't know. <laughs> the good I, guy. Well, so he, like, I don't, I don't, I think I was cast, okay, I'll take it back. Okay. I think, I don't think I was casted as a villain. I think I was casted as a tweener. Like, they could they could put me in a couple different things. Mm-hmm. If they want to make me look bad, they can make me look bad. If they want to make me look great, they can make me look great. Okay. I think I was, like, kind of casted as that. Yeah. Yeah. And how was, so you fell in love. Mm-hmm. Was it an exhausting process? And when you fell in love and then you were eliminated, so yeah. I have a bunch of questions here. Yeah. Uh, because we're at the juncture where Faith was just eliminated yes. on The Golden Bachelor. Yeah. Um, how how did that feel? Was it as heartbreaking as it seemed to be? And did yeah. you really fall in love with her? Yeah, I think this is a good question, right? Mm-hmm. Especially because now Gary has fallen in love with right. a couple girls, yeah, right? right? And you see it often on the show, yes. right? Okay. And so I'm going to have Gary's back here because okay. here's what happens. You are in this bubble for two, two, three months and you aren't on your phone. You don't have access to anything that you typically have access to, like no TV, no music. You're not watching sports. You're not connecting with your family or loved ones unless it's being videotaped. And you start to like kind of live in this bubble thinking it's the pure reality. Mm. You also, at least from a cast member, you don't really see many people from the opposite sex. So like right. the only time you saw a woman, a like woman when, I was, was like, when she was there, so you're like, ah, oh. <laughs> and like she, Becca was a bachelorette. She's great. She deserves that. But like right. still, it, it, you're warped a little bit. Are you hanging out with all the other guys? Is that your only source of like 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and then also that increases the sensation of everything because there's this competition aspect. There's this like, so now you're competing and you want to win. So there are all these moving parts. By the way, for the first time, maybe ever in people's life for three months, you're sitting in your feelings for every interview. Do you have your phone at all the entire time? Nothing. So you have no distractions. Even at night, nothing. It was like, no. So the only way you can connect is like you're journaling. Like other than that, and you're sitting in your feelings. So because you're so locked in your feelings, you're, you're feeling everything is like you're feeling, you're so sensitive to everything. Yeah. Did you trust all the other guys or were you kind of like, no, I trusted no no one. one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I had like a few good buddies. I got Blake Horseman, Colton, grocery store, Joe Garrett. That was like my crew from our season. Okay. And, um, I think to his point, what he's saying is what he's feeling right now. He's feeling that he loves them both. Um, in three months from now, he'll be in a different place where he'll be like, I'd be interested in how he would answer this. But I think he would say, I was I was just really in it right there. And three months later, I'm now removed from that. And I know who I really do care and for. And he, he did. Wow. He did say that, that when he did he, face, face faith, mm-hmm. he, he did say, I think, to Jesse or to her, I was really feeling that I loved you yeah. in, in that, that moment. moment. He did say that. Yeah, I totally. think he said it to her. Which I think yeah. is fair. Yeah. And I think he's I think he's purely intentional with that, 100% mm. authentic. That's what he's feeling, really. Yeah. Now, you can question from the outside. It's easy for us to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why are you falling in love with yeah, everybody? Been, yeah. Yeah. I did. I said, Kim's been really hard I've been ripping him. him. I get yeah. that, though. I, but the, the, that's logical. But when you're like in this like emotional chamber, uh, it's different. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. So when they come out and they've picked the person yeah. and they're like, holy shit, I probably should have picked Joan or something. Yeah. What do they do? Can they, they just I guess call they can off? reach out to them later, well, right? Because once you're later? free. Well, that happened with Ari. Like, so I don't know if you oh, saw yeah. Ari season. He, so the, the girl that was my bachelorette, Becca Kufrin, mm-hmm. she was with our, he picked her. They got engaged. They did like video filming after all together and he had a change of heart. And he broke up with her. And then he asked the other girl to be to date. Oh. They're now married with kids. Oh. So you could, you, I mean, the rules, you could do what you right. need. Wait, how far back was the other girl? that he? When did he kick her off that he married? Um, so the or girl, not give her a rose. Oh, I guess oh no, nice. two. She was two. She was, so it was oh, one okay, and two. Okay. Was one and two. Okay. Yeah. And he got America Raked. literally <laughs> dragged him. He got crushed. Still to this day, people are like, didn't like him as a bachelor. He pursued his happiness and now yeah. he's married and happy yeah. and kids. And but how do you think that's going to go for people who are in their 60s and 70s? Like it's different when you're that age. Yeah. You can keep finding people, but these people. I actually think what's interesting about this show is that their decision making carries so much more weight, mm-hmm. right? Because if if I'm 29 on The Bachelorette, who, what if, I don't know, what, who's impacted by this? Mom, dad, brother? They're like, they don't care, whatever. Right. Like when you have Gary, he's got grandkids yeah. and kids and they have kids and they're, you're, mm-hmm. you're impacting a whole lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think the weight that they're carrying because of their experience and their livelihoods and their deep family and their grandparents, like these are, this is a lot. It is I a lot. Think it's, I, think I think it's think way it, deeper yeah, than the, I've, I mean, than I've the never, or Bachelorette. Yeah, because... Th- I've never cried until Thursday. I cried, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, watching Faith and Ellen because they do, they talk about their kids, they talk about their loved ones yeah. and, they, and you feel it so much more. Mm-hmm. Do you think this show is changing the perspective of what people your age think of people that age, older people? Yes, I yes. think so. I think there's such a, like a ridiculous, like a ridiculous stigma about like what we think about our parents and grandparents. Like I love my my mom's really good friend, Chris. She, she made a comment. I was dying laughing. She's like, I tell my kids, uh, you didn't invent sex. Like, <laughs> we, hello, we're right, here. Right, right. And so are my parents. <laughs> right. And I think as kids, like we're just like, we don't think about it. So I think it's like, it's, it's showing such like a rich, pure, yeah. um, even intimate um, physical connection for a new age that we're not seeing on mainstream TV, which I think is beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And I think you're also seeing the depth of the decision-making and the conversations and the communications. And you're also, it's giving perspective to some of my age saying like, 
why are we not learning more from the life experiences that our elders have? Like they have so much more they've gone through. Like, why are we not using and leaning on them more to learn so we can start avoiding this? And I think our generation, at least for millennials, mm-hmm. especially Gen Zers, yeah. we think we got it all figured out. Oh, We're good, sure. mom, dad, thing. Oh, mm-hmm. no, got it. Mm-hmm. But like, this has been eye-opening to say good. like, we need to shut up and start listening yeah. <laughs> because there's so much life experience we don't have. I don't think that we don't, there's not a lot of opportunity out there to do it. I mean, I think this show has really put it out there, especially from the women's point of view. And I think a lot of times women get the, oh, she just doesn't get it. She's so old. She's well, just Well, how kinda, about when we're talking to our daughters and they're like, <sighs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't know. Or you like, don't know. Like I've never used my app, my Uber to call. I've never, I've, I don't know how to use my Uber app, right? Yeah. Of course I know how to use it. But when I'm with my daughter here in the city, mom, mom, I've got this. Give me the phone. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Okay, Alexis, I've never <laughs> used this in my entire life. And, you know, it's, it is true. I hope that people who are listening to the show right mm-hmm. now hear that. And it's nice for you to say that. And I hope that everybody will try to do that. Listen to us. Totally. Not that we know so much, but we have our life experiences. And that is invaluable. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it's cool what you guys are doing here. Because you. you have that perspective. Like, it's different than uh, some of the other podcasts mm-hmm. with some of the, I don't know, 22, 30 year olds trying to Yeah, we were, gonna, we were laughing about that because when we listen to them, we're like, no, you're way off base. <laughs> you yeah. missed we it do. completely. We're listening to yeah. it and we're going, what? Would, you rather, no. would you rather hear it from someone younger? It's fun to listen to what they think about it. Yeah. But it's usually off base. Like, you're like, yeah, it's you, way off yeah. base. Well, I would, here's what I would love to listen to I would love to listen to you guys get clips and takes from some of these people that are covering it that are younger and you challenge them and tell them why they're wrong. Oh, that's like, a that's, good idea. I also you would love to hear. You don't think that's mean? No, that's, that's <laughs> great. I mean, it's just like, it's perspective. Mm-hmm. It's, or just say like, hey, here's why I disagree with this and why. And while well, you have 20, 30 years on the person. So, yeah. and then I think another thing would like, I'd want like the unfiltered perspective. Like, okay, this person's full of shit or this person, like, that's true. Like, I'd want to know, like, based on your experience uh, and just like your age, like what you really think of the contestants. And I, and I think we did. I think, <laughs> no, I think we did do that at I the beginning. If, yeah. For example, if you've been watching it, not to get too deep into it, but the whole Kathy Teresa thing, yeah. zip it and all yeah. that. Yeah. And she liked Kathy. I did not get uh-huh. a good feel for her, but we did not filter our feelings at all about yeah. that one. But right? I think he's talking, filtering about the other podcasts, right? I think the podcast and, and the, the show. Pe- and okay. The show. And the show. Okay. And the so we were just talking also, we were listening to another podcast recapping it, and they were talking about what the women were wearing at the Women Tell All. And they were saying, oh yeah, those ladies probably have the dresses in their closet. Like they look like they shopped at Filene's. Yeah. And Kim and I were like, no, every single one of them went out, yeah. had their hair and makeup done. Yeah. And they bought these outfits. They don't have these in their closet unless yeah. they're left over from when they thought they were going to wear it at a Rose ceremony. 100%. Yeah. So, I, yeah. See, that's the that perspective. I was like, what, the fuck? what are you talking about? Right. Yeah. Like, you think that Edith had that pink gown sitting in her closet? <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Or, you know, and, and Kathy had a big glow up, by the way. So, uh, she looked great. Yeah. She did look really she, great. I think all the women on there, I was like, they didn't really care when they were being filmed all the <laughs> other times. Like, they didn't give a shit if they'd had their makeup yeah. on or anything. Yeah. Well, it's uh, that's that, another thing that's tough is you, you don't sleep at all. Like, okay. so. But they, what are you doing if you have no nothing to distract you. you know, why are well, you sleeping? You have, so it's hard to explain, but they control the lighting of everything. So even in the room, the oh, bedroom, they control when that. you go to sleep because the lights are all on. No way. Yeah. So, and there's definitely sleep deprivation. Like that's like Love wait, Island. Wait, wait, wait. Love Island, they shut off the lights. Yeah. And the, wait, say that again. On Love Island, another reality show. It's a really cool yeah. show. Do you like Love Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great show. So they, they like let them know when it's time to go to bed and yeah. then they turn the lights and they on. And like six in the morning. So they have you going and you'd be surprised. Like there's not as much downtime as you'd expect because they have you going. They, when you're doing these ITMs, when you're seeing people do the interviews, you're in those chairs for What's like an, an hour uh, in the moment interview. Oh, so we know when those you are s- those private things we talk about. Yeah. We always well, say the private, you know, interview. when you see like, oh. um, like, like someone's just talking to a camera, yes. it's like Gary, the bachelor seat. And he's like, I feel like this and that. Right. that's an in the moment interview, okay. ITM. So yeah. after each night, did they interview each of you guys? Oh, after anything, anything. They interview. Okay. you wake okay. up, they interview you. Okay. You oh. have an interact, someone throws something in the pool. Let's get Jason's take. I um, did that with Barstool. Yeah. I did surviving Barstool, which I was like, this is, I sucked at it, but they yeah. would take you in at the end and, and ask you what you thought about whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And they kind of pin each other against each other. Well, yeah. Well then the producer will be like, so would you like, yeah. that was kind of messed up of Jordan to yeah. do that. Like, don't you think that took away from the 
experience. What do you think? Yeah. And then, so that's where, um, that's where you're doing a lot of that. And then you're doing a lot of group chats that they're filming. You know, when you see like two girls talking or two men talking. Um, so there's a lot of that and it's actually busier than you expect. And there's always eyes on you. You're never just hanging out by yourself. You have to be, do you always have one person that kind of escorts you from your room to where you're going? Yeah, there's hand handlers. Handlers, yeah, yeah. yeah they, there's and at all times they know where everyone is and what they're doing and how they're doing it, and it's likely someone's with them at all times. So you'd be surprised that like the whole makeup vibe, it's tougher than you'd expect. Okay, okay, it's tougher than you'd expect. So as you were going through all of this yourself, yeah. exhausted in your feelings, and then you get to there are three of you left, mm-hmm. and then she eliminates you mm-hmm. was that devastating to yeah, you yeah like in the moment yeah, yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah I mean because again you're in that like bubble so it was like it was awful yeah I remember and then when you you know I and remember when I got room. I just kept telling myself don't cry don't cry don't cry yeah and then when I got back to the the hotel when all the cameras were off I was like losing oh. it you oh. know? yeah I know I was like and I was just like I'm like well I don't know you just feel so disconnected you're like where is it like where's my family where's my friends I have right. nothing I'm lost like what the hell so you're just like that's another thing too like you're sitting in your feelings yeah. where if I was and home I would just like that's go so get a drink hard. with my friends. No. But it's yeah, really, yeah. You and also you're just going sucked. off. Your, I was like, I was down yes. and out for a couple of days there. Oh, and you're yeah. just going off your time that you have with her. That's all you can go off of. You're not seeing anything else. Yeah, you're yeah, seeing so nothing you else. So you think everything's. Nothing. Oh, you have it's, no idea. Yeah. yeah, you have no idea. Um, Did you think though yeah. that you? I guess it's hard to say at the moment if you can tell me how you felt at the moment and now. Did you think she? You had lost the love of your life, or um, did you just want to win? No, I, I like was, I was, I loved to, like I, in that moment, I thought I loved her. Mm-hmm. Knowing when I got out of that, I was like, that's not love. <laughs> like, okay. you just how long had a did it take feeling. you to figure that out? Uh, uh, month. Days. Okay. Yeah, okay. About a week, okay. two weeks, three okay. weeks. Like, I mean, very, I didn't know if you just walked away and were like, God, what was wrong with me? Like, oh, when you watch it back, it like snaps you back into reality. Okay. Right. Yeah. I do remember watching like it back when I, when she broke up with me and I was like, really? That was like two, three months later. I was like, still really sad watching it back. Uh-huh. Just like, I was like, you oh, can feel that those sucked. feelings. Yeah. yeah. It feels like PTSD. Yeah. But I knew like right away, I was like, whoa, that was not love. Like that was not an ex. That was just like in that moment, like Gary's saying, like you're feeling these emotions that are just pretty freaking high. And you have this like deep, you're also connecting with them on deep levels, right? They're not going to let you have a conversation over dinner that's about like, what's your favorite sport color, right? They need good TV. As a Mm -hmm. result of good TV, that has to be like moving conversations. So, you know, there's one moment I never talked about it where, you know, I was talking about my dad and how we'd visit my grandmother at all. Alzheimer's and I'll never forget the first time my dad walked away crying because mm. like she forgot his name but he was trying to hide it and she's telling me about her father who passed away from cancer and you know we're talking about like learning less so we're having these rich like deep discussions so you, you instantly that's connection right yeah. but do so. they do they guide those conversations do they kind of because they know your past so they know yeah. every emotional thing that you have yeah, right yeah do, okay I think this they don't guide them what they'll do is like before the date they'll just be like you know, what are some things you want to, what are you, some things you think you should talk about? Okay. I would say every conversation I had, like from a creative standpoint, it was all me. So like, I would be like, I want to talk about my grandmother now. And this is why. And I think she should know. And if she feels comfortable talking about her father, that would be great. Okay. And they're like, good. Like the, when I came out of the limo, everyone got like things handed them. I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is my idea. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. So like, great, do it. So yeah. That was fun. Yeah. So, okay. So you leave and you go back, you snap back into reality, you go back to your job and how does your life change? Do you realize, okay, I'm going to go back to banking or I need to change things. Like I just had a huge experience. Yeah. I was just like, this was really, really cool. I don't know what's going to happen from it, but, but I open. liked it. Okay. I liked the, the adrenaline, the stimulation, mm-hmm. the idea of getting to like watch yourself back. I thought it was cool. I'm like, this is cool. Nothing I do in work is cool. <laughs> so I was just like, how do, how does this work? What's next? Should I go to paradise? Should I not go to paradise? Like, should I stay in this world? Should I focus on social media? I didn't know, but I just like dove full speed into all this stuff. And then I started to learn like the monetization behind it. Right. And I started to learn like, wow, there's some real bucks here. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I could show up here and make this much. I could post a photo and make this much. This is crazy. So that's where like my focus like really started 
to become deployed. And then it was two years from then that I actually started the talent management company I run now where we are managing talent from A to Z. Right. And we've brought some deals to you, Charity. Yes, yes. And so, which is such such a cool full circle moment. But when I got off the show, there was a little bit of this like fog. You're just like, what the hell just happened? Uh And then there's like, I don't know what's happening, but this is fun. And like, I want to enjoy this, but also make the most of it. Because I think too many people get off the show. You needed to be smart about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many people get off the show. And they get this little bump and they have this relevancy and all they want to do is just go party it away. You know, every night they're out, they're Uh, partying, they're getting all this attention. And every person I tell that get off the show, especially from a talent management perspective, I'm like, listen, you have such a cool finite window to do something special, to do something impactful, Mm -hmm. to maybe write a book, to start a podcast, to change it, start a non-for-profit, get focused. Like this is work. I know it's fun, but this is work. Oh no, it has to be work, but it could be work that you're passionate about versus in the banking world, just to take your example. Like now you're doing something, you're like ignited to do this. You're like, I can see myself making money. And having a blast and meeting amazing people. Hundred percent. And I think yeah. that you could think there's some, there's people from the franchise. I could think of five or ten right now that have been doing this for over a decade since the show, making millions of dollars and making impact and creating change. The Name other, five. The, Name uh, five. Uh, Jillian Harris, hundred mm-hmm. percent, absolutely crushes it. Uh, Nick Vial, absolutely kills it. Sean Lowe does so well. Yeah. Catherine does so well. JoJo does so well. Hannah Godwin does so well. Tyler Cameron does well. I can Hannah keep Brown. going. Yeah. Hannah Brown yeah. crushes it. Uh, um, there, there is probably a list of like Wells Adams crushes it. I mean, I could, I could keep going here. Right. Okay. Um, but there's probably a list of like 50. Smart people. I would say 50 to 75 people that have been on the show that took it seriously, that put in the work, and it's changed their financial and professional yeah. lives forever. Yeah, forever. Everything. So from, did you start the podcast first? No. So my, my progress was I went right into just influencing as much as I could. Mm-hmm understanding that business. And then I started helping some people after the show. Okay. Like just a couple people. And then I started, um, so the Restart Roadmap, I started a restart consulting company where I'd work with small businesses and people to like help them get up and running. Okay. From that, got the book deal. Mm-hmm. And then I started the podcast in 2021. And now with the podcast, which is fun. Oh, so I must have started listening to it just when you started it. Yeah, right in the yeah. So it was like early, early, it was like spring 2021. Yeah. And now with the podcast, what's fun is like people come on and it also is a, is a silo to get people to work with the talent management okay. agency. So all the dots kind of connect in like the different businesses we have now, but all stemmed, like all of this with like, you know, the first, this was a Wall Street bestseller. I have another book coming out. We have the podcast. We have a consulting company, investing company, the talent management uh, company. All of this just stemmed from making that decision to oh, take a shot to go on a show that everyone told me not to. I, Without the show, none of this happened. Yeah. None right, of right. Okay, so, so when you say you do a lot of investments, how do you find those? Yeah, well, Just, well, what's crazy now is because we own the talent management company and mm-hmm. because of the stuff I do, we get so many people coming to us trying to pitch us to either either raise capital for them, uh, write a check to be part of the investment group. Um, they'll want to do equity cash deals where they'll say, okay, we want this person to do 10 posts and we're going to give them 3% equity of the company and this amount of cash. So a lot of it's inbound. Okay. And then there's outbound that I'll, I'll specifically target groups of, uh, of investors and companies that I know that are buying companies and let them know like every time you get a look, like let me know. Okay. That makes sense. And if like contacts from your old job? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah a, a little, little bit. bit. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, so. it sounds like that direction. But it sort of all does fit together. It that does. Is, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of the investment stuff we do is in consumer packaged goods. So if you think about anything you buy pretty much on Instagram, mm-hmm. it's going to be a consumer good for the most part, mm-hmm. right? right? And so the companies that we're trying to invest in and that are working with are companies that still connect to this whole mm-hmm. world that we're living are in. Are the ones that you're investing in or trying to connect with startups? Yes. For all the most startups. Part, okay. For the most part. Yeah. Or they've, they're in infant stages. Yeah. So. so little did you know, by taking that chance, mm-hmm. you would be able to use your wisdom, your experience in the financial world yeah. to help grow this, all of these business ventures you have. Yeah, yeah. It's and been help fun. people also, you know, what you're doing. All the, I notice you have a lot of people from reality shows. Yes. That, that are with Rewired. Yes. Because yep. like yeah. you said, they don't know what to do once they've hit that 
that fame. They've gotten yeah. some eyeballs on them. And the whole business, the, it's a wild, wild west, this business. Because like, I just think about when I was a banker working with the CFO, I knew everything about their numbers. They knew everything about our products. The margin for what they knew versus what I know about banking and pricing and products is razor thin, uh, right? Okay. But when in this world, uh-huh. the knowledge gap between the business leaders, like in the sharks and the actual talent, mm-hmm. it's insane. No one knows anything. So you have these people that come off the shows with all this impression and power. They have no idea what's happening. And they're getting just completely scraped by people. And so that's where I was like, wait a second. I'm getting hosed here. Like I was getting tripped, but I caught on to it quickly. And that's why I have such like a passion for this industry. Because um, there's so much work that needs to be done in it. In so automation. So smart so of you many to be doing that this. To so, so smart. Yeah. So what do you, so on your podcast, you talk openly about what people are making and how they're doing it. Is that why? Exactly. you think it should just be so it's called Trading Secrets. How did you get to where you are? What were the secrets to get there? Mm-hmm. How much did you make? How much did you lose? How? What are you doing with your money? The idea is like breaking the vault of just like talking comfortably about money and how it's made. And as a result of that, we're trying to do it in a healthy way, not a braggadocious way, mm-hmm. so that we can take away from what they've done. Just had a, in a couple of weeks, it's going to come out, a TikToker at 19 years old. She was just an early adopter to the platform. She went on um, Snapchat once they started doing... Uh, um, I forgot what the theory, the short, they're like shorts reels. They, they, they're trying to compete with TikTok. So they initiated this program for creators. She was the first person on it oh, at wow. 18 years old in five weeks. She made over a million dollars, 18 years old. Oh my Lord. Right. So that conversation has people jaw hitting the floor yeah. and great. Now we know that. What the hell did mom and dad say? What did they make? She's like, not that. So yeah. they were blown away. Right. Um, but the conversation is, what, are, what can we take away from that? Mm-hmm. What exactly did you do? How did you do it? What can I go do now to try and make a couple bucks, maybe not a million? And so those are some of the conversations like we bringing have. value to your listeners. You mm-hmm. want yeah. your listeners not to go, well, yeah. I can't do that. You're yeah. like, yeah, you can. Yeah. But this is how she did it, yeah. navigating through those waters. Because I think it's so hard. Everything seems overwhelming. Yes. And then people want to copy other people. And it's not really about copying. It's doing your own, your own thing. thing. Yeah. And behind money, there are so many stories. And from those stories, we can learn so much. Like I think about like uh, Molly Bloom from Molly's Game. Mm-hmm. If you remember, she ran that underground poker. Mm-hmm. She had shared that she had woke up after the FBI raided her apartment mm-hmm. and that she woke up to her bank account and it said minus $9,999,000. That's what it said because everything was drained. Oh but behind that number, there was a story. They told her they would make her whole. She could have all the money back if she ratted out the politicians that played in her game. And she said, no, mm-hmm. she said, no. Yeah. So she's still paying her debts back. That's, it's <laughs> so crazy. behind money, there's a story there's and there's a story we can story. learn from. That's mm-hmm. my thought. Yeah. And, and people, that's what people want to do. They just want to keep learning. If they're listening to your podcast, mm-hmm. they, they want to learn. So how do you balance all the businesses that you have, mm-hmm. um, taking care of yourself, being with family, because we, you know, we know family is important to you. How do you balance all of everything in your life right now? It's, it's a work in process. Yeah, because you seem very busy. It's a struggle. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest one I've been trying to focus on is focusing on me a little bit, like putting in me time, because that could be really hard when you're distracted and you're doing a lot for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I do go to therapy every two weeks. That, that's very Amazing. helpful. Great. Uh, and then, I would say the probably the biggest thing is trying to combine all the two, if that makes sense. So like with a lot of my work stuff, there's ways to have a lot of fun with it and there's ways to incorporate family or mm-hmm. friends, right? So for example, next week going to F1 uh, and with F1, I got to bring a plus one. So in that I don't scenario- know what F1 is, do you? Mm-hmm. Is this in Vegas? Yeah, Vegas, yeah. yeah. So F1 is like, it's the- How it's- do you know and I don't know? I've been to Vegas a lot. <laughs> so have I, but why don't I know what F1 is? They're redoing the streets and everything. For it's yeah. race, car racing, F1. Oh, I don't know anything okay. about. Oh, but Formula. You, Formula One. Oh, if you yeah. said Formula yeah. One, yeah, I would yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. F1, yeah. yes, okay. It's like it's like taking over the world. It's yes. crazy. I, see, I don't get it's why crazy. it is, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. God, I feel really dumb and that I said so that. Much Can we like, take that out? <laughs> 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 and there's like, there's a lot of like money behind it and like all the big superstars want to be involved with it, right? Michael Jordan. Jordan's always there. Tom Brady's always there. Elon Musk. It's like, I don't know what, but it is the hottest thing in the it's world. Right? Have you been to yeah. their race? That uh-huh. I've never been to a race. I'll report back because I've okay. never been. Okay. Yeah. But an example like that, so give me a plus one. So I'm thinking, okay, who can, who, what friend haven't I connected with in a while? Like, what can I do that's special? So called my buddy, like good friend from Rochester, New York. Haven't seen him in a while. Um, and so I'm like, why don't we go 
still have to go have fun. So I think finding ways to combine work, fun, and pleasure and family and friends has been helpful, but it's something I'm working on. Do you have any tips? Um, (laughs) No, I think that you are fine. I think you are, you know, you're going to have no problem. Except for surround, you probably surround yourself with people who build you up and make you feel good. You're not around any dead weights or yeah yeah, i mean mean, not anymore you you have no i'm just saying you have control over who you're hiring because that can be and that's who your people are that you're around the most yeah and i think your friend group's so important like Mm -hmm. you have to yeah i i I think you have to if you're not shedding friends in life unfortunately i think it's like you're not growing i remember when i started competing in fitness shows and i had no support this was after i got my after i got divorced like four years later i started competing in fitness shows so i was like 46 Mm -hmm. and nobody nobody my family my daughters they were like ew mom, gross. My friends were like, aren't you too old to get on stage in stripper heels in a tiny little bikini? And I said, no, I'm going to do it anyway. But I had no support whatsoever. So I had to start shedding my friends. Totally. I called it divorcing at the time because that was, you know. I love that. You know, a big one I do now is if people are talking poorly to me about others, Uh I keep a I pick you a close eye on that because yeah. it's very likely those people are talking poorly about me to others. So Sorry. I try and keep those type of people out of my life. And I let a lot of them in, a lot of them. And I because I just think through this platform, you learn when people are judging or chirping or trolling you, they're doing it because it's either internal resentment or external longing. They see something in you that they don't have or they see something in you that they resent about themselves. And I noticed, I just, the, all the gossip, bullshit, talking shit stuff, I, I don't have energy for it. Mm, that's very insightful. I'll have to remember that the next time a troll shows up. <laughs> yes. Because they do show internal up. Internal resentment or you have something that mm. they want. So do you, did you, did you, how was your good friend that didn't get on the show? Like, did you have close friends that kind of went through a, jealous stage for a while that are still your friends because that'd be um, hard to watch I like that you kind of yeah, had a glow I think that's up that's a good question <laughs> yeah. i think um they didn't if they did they didn't communicate that with me as much mm-hmm. um and my good friends were my, my foundation was always there he's still my best friend okay. he's, he's a i'm hanging with him all weekend okay um and actually, he showed up. That ironically enough, there was a date where Becca brought my friends to surprise me, and that was one of the guys they oh, had fun. come on. Um, but yeah, I think you, you you see that a little bit. Yeah, I, I found that much more with acquaintances. Yeah, oh really? Yeah, I would yeah. say like you know you like your core. You look at like a target mm-hmm. circle. Like my core inner circle, they were all strong and have been strong with me. But those people like on one layer outside of that mm-hmm. inner circle. I noticed a lot of bullshit there. I'm, I'm impressed that you said that because I say that my I, raising Alex, we talked about that a lot. But then with Michael, my son, he's like, what do you keep talking about this inner outer circle? Guys kind of have it different. Like he has his good friends and yeah. that's his whole thing. Alex kind of had the tears. I feel like with women, it's a little bit different. Sure, probably. Maybe. Yeah. But I think I think like with, with this world, I think the that circle changed a lot. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I think more people want in. There more oh, people want, right? oh, you know I what I'm see. saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also so, think that when someone sees you t- having a huge leap of growth, huge, yeah. they don't know where they stand in your life yes, sometimes. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are we? Yeah. Um, or, gee, Jason, you're getting an awful lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the Jason that I used to know? Yeah. Right? But, yeah. I mean, oh, Alex has I got gotten stuff a lot like that, that yeah. right? Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm sure. My daughters don't really it's, get that. But um, they have like they're still their same friends from like grammar school, college, high school. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. It is really yeah. important. You need those friends. That we talked about it on Alex's podcast. Like you need friends that can keep you accountable, mm-hmm. support, love you, but keep you accountable. Mm-hmm. And living in like those echo chambers could just be so dangerous, right? Yeah. So. So I know you played sports. Do you still play or yeah, do you play. do exercise? Oh, you, look, yeah. you look very fit. But yeah. so I was just wondering, like, you're a big golfer. <laughs> golfer, yeah. 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 Golf, hockey, soccer. Those are my okay. uh, sports. Play them all. I play, like, in a bar soccer league, in a bar hockey league still. Um, in Nashville? In Nashville, okay. yep. Uh, my dad's got me into pickleball. So now I'm, oh, like, ripping I out love pickleball. pickleball. Love Kim that. Kim plays. I've never yeah. played. Yeah. And I'm, I'm active. I just I exercise at some point, like, every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm either running or lifting or whatever it is. Like, but exercise how do you, So how do you get golf in this? busy you are because that's a long uh, it's my golf game struggling right now okay big it's time hard. struggling big time <laughs> yeah. struggling so i gotta step it up um so yeah actually after chris harrison's wedding i texted my my, my my funny group my little support group and i said i might suck at relationships and i might not have that many girls in my dms but i just got the <laughs> best dm in the world Uh-oh. and they started laughing like who is it and it was sergio garcia oh my gosh he, DM, oh my he was God. at chris harrison's and he dm me he's like hey i'm running this little like this like 
it's golf non-for-profit event. I want you there. You're oh, that's awesome. Right? So I'm nice. going in December, but I got to get my game together because I haven't Wait, played. Wait, where is it going to be? It's in Austin. Okay. It's going to be in Austin. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah. yeah. And then to, actually on Tuesday, I got to go to Vegas for there's this new Netflix show called Full Swing. And I'm doing a partnership with Nespresso and I have to play in the Pro-Am there. And I have not swung a golf club in about a month and oh, a half. No. So <laughs> the I'm going to have to get the- Nespresso commercials have been great. Yeah. They're, they're picking their game up. Yeah. yeah. They're picking their they game up. You and George Clooney. Yeah. So there's, you know, what I'm doing right now is I just finished writing a book. It comes out in April. It's called talk money to me. So it's all about numbers that you need to know about yourself and you need to know about your significant other or partner, because there is a lot of infidelity in this world, but there's a lot of financial infidelity. And there's a big reason why relationships, uh, have struggles in all areas, uh, communication, intimacy, and just growing as a unit is really financial transparency. So that's what the whole book's about. So it's on pre-sale now on Amazon. We're looking forward to mm-hmm. it. We really are. <laughs> um, any last question, any advice you can give us on relationships, falling in love, yeah. being who you are, and then finding that person that's right for you? Hmm. I might not be the best person to ask right well, now. Just over, <laughs> just <laughs> over. Okay, well, so no, like in, and add to that, as, like, you, as you've gotten to know yourself. Changing, like yeah. at your age, how you yeah. went through changing careers. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. Like totally. You, I mean, it's a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing is really finding someone, first finding yourself. I think that's a, like the most important thing. That's what I was hoping you I were going to so, say. Yeah, I think so many people are trying to they they look and they they cut down or they don't they're they're trying to like fit the perfect person they want in this box. Oh, they don't do this. That's not good enough. Or this isn't for me. And the problem is, I think people have to ask themselves like, what are you trying to fill? What is what's wrong? yourself. Like look at the mirror. And I don't think until you can really find yourself, you're going to find happiness with anyone else. And it takes a lot of damn work to find yourself. And then when you find that person, to me, I think the most important things are just like support, love, and respect. Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that'll get you, I think, through everything. I've Mm -hmm. seen it with my parents and, you know, hope to see it with me one day. So I think those are the things I'm looking for. But right now it's like, I said it yesterday on Alex's podcast too. Like you got, you got the water they serve you at dinner. They got the appetizers. You got the dessert. You got all that. Then you got like the main course. Like right now, I'm the main course. I'm just focusing on me. That's great. Because once I focus, once I continue to keep getting myself in a good place, it's all going to come. I got advice one time when I was broken up with Joe a long time ago. <laughs> that he said, "Don't focus on trying to find somebody else, or, or even focus on yourself. Just do what you think you're having fun at, and that's when the right person comes along." I like that. I mean, when you least expect it. When you right? least expect yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, Jason Tardick, thank you so much for being on. We're golden. We really appreciate your time. Thank you guys for having me. This was fun. Yeah. This was great. Awesome. Kim, do you have any? No, I think I think we covered it all. Okay. Oh. I love right. it. Thank Besides you. just saying, so he's, he's incredibly handsome. I've just oh, been staring at so you. Yeah, nice good God. You. I don't know how you <laughs> just get attacked everywhere you go. So I said nice to her yesterday, I go, does he look like he looks like? And she goes, well, he's she's more handsome in person. <laughs> <laughs> For so sure. You are. You are. But your voice, uh, wow, you have a very soothing voice. Oh, yeah. thank you. Doesn't I'll he? Take mm-hmm. that. When you listen to his podcast, you'll be mm-hmm. you're very calm. Oh, I can't I'll imagine that. you being like anxious inside. Oh, I mean, not when I'm podcast. Yeah, I'm all all drugged up. No, I don't take any of that. But yeah, no, I do. I I get fired up sometimes, but it's not on the podcast, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) no, all the best to you, really. Thank you. This was awesome. You Um, guys are great. We really appreciate it. I'm coming back for the book tour, round two. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you for listening to We're Golden. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Content Kim on all platforms and Jody Harrison Bauer and Fearlessly Authentic. Yes. Her podcast on all the platforms. And then you can find Jason at jasontardick.com. On Instagram and everything, you can find him at Jason Tardick and Trading Secrets Podcast. That's it. So until (laughs) next time, remember to stay golden.